You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Welcome to Quantum Leap Book Club. During the next hour, beloved mind scientist Parisha and her guests from around the world will read and discuss various best-selling books with well-known authors. Every show will apply retention techniques designed to help you to absorb powerful knowledge to effectively change your life. Join us every week for a thought-provoking hour and re-listen as often as you can. You will be delighted by what you learn and you will be excited by the results. Are you ready to take the quantum leap? Here's Parisha. Greetings. This is Quantum Leap Book Club, and we are here this week to actually start the Four Agreements with Don Miguel Ruiz. Is my book. Beautiful little book, non-threatening book, because it's very small and can be dropped into the purse, but has a lot of great material in it to actually keep you very much in the mind of spiritual awareness as well as value. Uh, my co-hosts are joining me this week, and I have Marianne Love from Melbourne, Australia. We have Steve Jones from uh, Kingman, Arizona. We have uh, Geraldine Galby-Ball from Sydney. So we have two Australians here. And we have Trina Cooper, who is actually from Denver, Colorado. Please take time to go to our Facebook and check out what our co-hosts actually offer and bring from their background into the time we spend with you on the show. I'm not seeing Joyce Mollenhauer, but I'm not sure if she's coming on or not. But Joyce Mollenhauer from Kingman, Arizona, usually joins us on this hour as well. So we're going to start by actually talking and looking into what Don Miguel actually shares in his book on the Toltec. The Toltec are not a really well-known group of people. They're not, they're not one of the indigenous peoples that main, that kind of move in mainstream spirituality. And uh, there's a lot of confusion around them. The Toltecs came long after the Mayans. They were, they did not precede the Mayan. Okay. And in essence, none of their particular spiritual value or testimony represents anything Mayan. Okay. And so basically they were known very much as scientists. And uh, a lot of metal metal work, like the particular golds and silvers, they did an awful lot of uh, making of spiritual objects with the metals, okay? And their history is very much based on what I would consider almost a commonality amongst American indigenous people. I mean, so uh, American people pretty much all came from the same importance of fire, the same importance of the elements, and usually the same importance of expression, meaning a particular way we carry ourselves and how we speak and how we, how our our behavior, let's just simplify it. It's our behavior. Okay. And they, you can identify each one of the tribal peoples from their behavior, their particular acknowledgement of certain people in their community, how the children Act. You can see very much the early uh, impressions that they start with with their children. And the Toltec all start real fast integrating what I would consult, call spiritual science to the younger generation. And when you have the blessing and the time to sit with a, a Toltec elder and hear the stories, you kind of time travel way back there with them 
because they give you such detail and they they bring you right into the moment and right into the story so that it's a delightful experience to sit and allow one of them to take you through time. So we're going to give all we have and look forward to what Don Miguel can actually teach us and show with, you know, share with us as we move along with them in this little book. Now, Don Miguel has wrote very, very many books. In fact, if you look in the front there, I, I'm, I'm looking at better than a dozen or more. So there's any number of interest or particular profiles of what he can discuss. Okay, very, very nice and gentle gentleman. I've met him more than maybe six times in my life. And one of them was in Colorado at uh, Trina and her husband's one of her programs. So Don gets around. He's very much uh, uh, a, a people of the people. And uh, I'm sure that we'll enjoy what he's sharing with us and giving us in value and what he's calling the four agreements. We're going to start with you, uh, Trina. Uh, you want to give us your particular perspective of the uh, beginning of our book? Oh, yeah, I love this book. Um, after seeing Don Miguel, and he is just such a gentle and loving soul um, when he passes on his information, because as we get into the book and things, it's like his basis is taking all of this, just like um, the last book we had to the basis of love and that everything's love. And Don Miguel, um, he published this book, I think um, grandmother said in like 1997. So this book's been around for a really long time. And um, he actually was the youngest of 13 children. And his mother was a healer. His father, his grandfather was a shaman. And everybody thought he'd be the one to take everything forward. And guess what? He decided to become a doctor. And he actually became a neurosurgeon of all things. And um, but after a near-death experience, he he decided he needed to follow the healing practices and learn more about the shaman side in his family lineage, and promised, because he lived through this, that he would take this forward and bring these teachings forward. So the Toltec teachings are ones that have come down through hundreds and hundreds of years, and for a very long time, they were hidden, um, especially after the Spanish had come in and conquered. They were passed down through lineages from one generation to another. A lot of it was not written. It's all spoken. And so he's one of the first ones. I think the first one who really came out speaking about it was um, Carlos Castaneda started bringing things out in the beginning, but Don Miguel Ruiz has taken it on even further. And the reason he's not Miguel Ruiz, MD, but he's known as Don Miguel Ruiz. Don means um, it's a it's a, a word of respect. It's like Mister, but it's more um, powerful. It's someone who's achieved something, someone who holds status. So he's known as Don, which is um, which is really quite quite a blessing, quite a uh, in order to hear him. So. What he's brought forward in these books, when he when we talk about the Toltecs, and he puts a little bit in the beginning of the book, but the Toltecs were in southern Central America. They came in after the the Mayan to um, into a uh, Teo. How do you say it? Teo 
Tehuacan, <laughs> um, which was a big center. I knew I was going to like that one. Th these words I do not speak. Teotihuacan. And um, they moved in there after the Mayans had kind of left. Some of the history says, oh, no, they actually um, conquered them. But really, when you look at the timelines, maybe they just moved in. It was called um, Tula. And Toltec actually meant person from Tula is where the name came from. But then it became to not be known as masters or artisans or masters of teaching the spiritual teachings. So that kind of moved through. And I'm sure some of the other co-hosts have something they want to share with that. But the biggest thing is that they passed this knowledge and the Aztecs themselves came in afterwards discovered some and, and went into these sites, and they actually revered the, the Toltecs as um, kind of teachers for them. And the Toltec also passed on that spiritual teaching about the god um, uh, Quetzalcoatl, the, the, the feathered serpent, and they were ones that really brought that forward, and the Aztecs picked it up. So that was pretty amazing to learn about that. And then just a little bit about the smoky mirror, which is another piece of this that we're covering tonight. And I'm sure the other co-hosts will pick up more of that. But he talks about a story about the smoky mirror. That's kind of his introduction into the whole thing and about how this human 3000 years ago came out of body and had this revelation about being light and and that everything was light and everything was created from light very much like him coming out of body in his near-death experience and having the big aha moment. And so coming through this, this story of the spiritual mirror, and others may give more of the detail in it, he came up with the Nagal, the Nagal which is all that is unstructured. The Nagal was, was everything that's out there. We've heard this before. And the tonal is the structured energy. So it's like the field and then coming back into matter. And he saw the Nagal as this um, everything there is, and then the stars he called the tonal. And from there, he realized with the peoples that people could see he had changed from this revelation, but they didn't understand. They couldn't really see what it was, yet he could see. And so he kind of listed this as the fog that's there between us, this veil. And then finally, that he called it the smoke in the between the mirrors. The mirrors reflect the light. The smoke veils us. So one of the reasons I think you really need to read this book, and I've been passing it out for years and years to people because I think it's wonderful, is that he does go to these places that we've heard before, but he goes to these places and he says, you can change and we have to change our old beliefs, our old agreements we've made, and move into these four basic agreements, which are just wonderful ways of learning how to transform. So that's what I wanted to share today. That's real good. One of the things that I want to bring forward is the Toltec actually uh, killed and overcome the Maya, because the Maya was not a warring people. The Toltecs are definitely very strong warriors. That's why the blend and the kind of easing in with the, the Aztecs. 
both the Aztecs and the Toltecs did human sacrifice. Uh, Mayans get blamed for that occasionally because obviously the Toltecs and the Aztecs moved into the particular pyramids and ancient uh, uh, sites that they had actually built. But the Maya had started to resolve and move into the reclusive state that many of the Pueblo people still talk about in as much as the Hopi people actually came up from Palenque, Mexico, which is actually coming in through Mayan, Toltec, and Aztec country, and actually moved north. So they had evacuated the period a lot, and the Toltecs actually come in off of off of off land. So they're not definitely indigenous people necessary to the continent, but definitely of the island peoples. A lot of it's actually been traced to what we would consider the original indigenous people of Puerto Rico. So, like I said, you have a, you have a history that kind of begins to blend its stuff in with others. The science of the Maya, especially that that's kept in the glyphs and the tablets, the Toltecs picked that up right away. The end, but what the Mayan actually considered the engineering of spirituality. Toltec grabs that very, very fast. Their likeness to that was very similar. And as they moved on through history, like I said, they took a lot of that particular engineering with them and uh, definitely moved it forward. You have very much warring tribes here, and you have definitely human sacrifice. Many times I've asked those who I've sat with about the human sacrificing, and when we say that today, we have all these kind of feelings about it. But in essence, when you sit with someone who actually protects that and, and believes in that, you hear it in a way that you don't allow yourself because we're so opposed to it or unlike of it. And yet it is actually a spiritual um, adventure in as much as it it's a between the worlds is how it's referred to a between the world situation that the sacrifice is not like killing and isn't referenced definitely as a war tribe. The Toltec killed and murdered and raided. Okay. They didn't see that like a sacrifice though. The sacrifice obviously is, is dead. Okay. They see that as different. And when you get to sit and understand that, you begin to open to what they understand is not a crime or a bad thing, but that that sacrifice is them opening the doors between parallel worlds and the higher domain, as Don Miguel actually calls it. So the all that is. So definitely it's another perspective of death that we don't seem we be in most of any Central America um, and Central European kind of bloodlines. We see it as obviously something wrong, okay? And in as much as saying that life never ends, physical world is all that changes, and it's illusionary. When you try to melt it down in those particular similar, you know, sim- simple terms, you begin to see another understanding of that. So whilst we know they're highly evolved people, When we hear the word human sacrifice, we all recoil and say, oh, you know, no, I'm trying to tell you, you need, this is the science of the spirituality that you need to just understand. I didn't say approve. Okay. I didn't say that. I said to understand. 
so that basically you understand why someone of such elite and high intelligence would consider that and not see it as a more like a morbid criminal not good thing okay and then we're looking at that we i think actually have to and in in one of don miguel's books he actually speaks of that and i wanted to share with you because trina you were trying to explain the term don don to is power it's a it's an authority when anyone is addressed in his community or any community like that don actually comes means you have authority and you're given recognition and credibility of having certain powers or certain knowledge to earn that particular term of endearment. And so basically, like I said, you have to look at these cultures when we share this. And I'm I'm very happy to come right out of what we've done with Fox. Well, you know, definitely with Dr. Wolf's book into the science and stunning of feeling into matter, which was very much science. Okay. I love coming into Don Miguel's book because Don Miguel brings us to the everydayness, not using, not getting into the deep sciences and the head stuff, but taking us right in through our heart and talking to us from where we live and what the important things are of where we live. And for him, that would be definitely the four agreements, meaning we have to agree and be what we say we are. I love it. It's very exciting. Okay, let's move on because then we move and let Steve Jones cover some stuff. Yes, uh, in, in, uh, I find it very interesting. I was researching some of the, uh, the Toltec Society, um, and I thought it was interesting that they came together as the, and were, were considered the masters, and, and they had formed that society to preserve the ancient teachings. Um, they were also masters in stone and gold, silver, precious, precious metals, and they didn't actually have a written language, but they communicated through their art and used their art to, to celebrate their life and, and their gods. They also had very uh, a considerable knowledge in astronomy, along with some really sophisticated systems of government and agriculture and building. And um, some of the, uh, I know that with uh, the one uh, Miguel that I was uh, familiar with was the one uh, Juan Matas who uh, Carlos Castaneda studied with, yeah. and I, he has a number of different books. So it was it was uh, interesting for me to know that this is from the same le- lineage. So in in the book with the man who's making this realization in the ca- cave, it you know he he as you said with the other with just coming from the other book where. Everything is, you know, coming from love. Everything is, we are all, we finished where everything was all, we're all just one being, we're uh, one consciousness. And I found it, I liked how it was presented that the basic premise right from the beginning is that everything is one. We're all light perceiving other light. And then that's the beginning of the book. And now we set off to explore how, you know, the smoke in the mirror makes it appear as if, you know, that's not so. We're all seeing through our own perceptions, through the smoke that we have in our mind, our, uh, our beliefs and, and expectations. Uh, he, he talks about how the, the light is the messenger that carries, contains all information. 
So when you're looking at something, what you're seeing is not the object. You're just seeing the light that's reflected off the object. So the light is hitting the object and then it's the messenger. It's carrying that message to your brain. When, and when your brain receives the message, it interprets the data and it forms a memory. Now, the, the perception of that actual event is clouded by the smoke of our interpretations or belief. And we have those stored in our minds about how we should look at certain experiences and how we expect them. So we're seeing it through that filter, through that smoke that we have in our minds. And because of that, it's not, we don't accurately see what's happening. That smoke is, we're interpreting the reality of what's happening through that smoke. And we're really not separate, but it, we're seeing because, because of those, because of those perceptions, because of those beliefs, we're seeing the, our perceptions put on top of the reality. So I found that really interesting and, and, and very, very similar to what, what Wolf was just saying in the last book. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, Wolf's total focus on the end of the book, letting us know that love is the only thing that's important. It's the only thing science can do, brings us right into what Miguel is sharing here. And also the fact that most of what we we give, what I've watched in the teachings of the Totec is you have an over large override of the Mayan principles of science and so forth and on, because they carry that to another level. Okay. Um, actually, the smoke, I mean, when I saw him comparing this to the smoky mirror, okay, there is a reality to the fact that we exist in a gray area. And I'm, I know in talking to grandfather that he, this is what he's calling the smoke. We exist in in a nothingness, a gray area. And I know all of you are studying with me and that we're all on the same page as actually exploring the nothingness. And the the gray area is meaning we we have we we're not clear mind yet. We're still in that place to where we're confused because there's this gray area, this there's this nothingness all around us. And that when we begin to be aware of that, then what we're seeing is the mirror is we're only reflecting the emptiness or the confusion or the misleading of what the gray area presents. So we're he in in that I I felt because what he does when he teaches is explore the smoky mirror situation by actually letting people understand how if you just would be very very honest with yourself your whole life you have been confused can any of us argue with that <laughs> if that's not a truth right and so like he says you exist in the smoke well he means you exist in that gray area between intelligence and awakening to actually the entry. We have entered into this gray, smoky area. We're not seeing anything. We're still trying to find our way through that fog, okay? But that what we're really, if we just stop trying to move, is what he says, if we can just learn to be still, that then we actually will find that the gray or the smoke begins to lift. And then we realize we're simply looking at the reflection 
of what's real. And it, he gets into a lot of detail, but it's, I, I find that particular stuff that he's teaching very, very interesting. But la, the, he does do a lot, and I'm expecting that when we get better into the book, the deeper into the book we go, we're going to have more clarity on that, okay? So let's move on and see what Marianne Love there in Melbourne's got to share with us with us. So Marianne, what's up? Hello, I'm loving this book so far. It's um, such a profound way of speaking of the truth, the beauty um, of love. Um, and I'm deeply grateful that they have preserved the teachings because he talks about the fact it went underground several years, thousands, oh, how long ago? Thousands of years ago in order to protect it and that the prophecies have always shared that it's going to come, these teachings are going to come forward and I can only make the assumption that now's the time because he's bringing it forward in these writings and in these stories. So, um, and in the in his first story in there about the experience of awakening in the cave, um, he spoke of a being, a human, just like us, that realised that they were made of light and that they were made of the stars, they were the stars, and that they were the light that created the stars and that everything was made of light and that the space in between the stars, in between objects and matter, was not empty. Um, so we've heard all these teachings before, haven't we? It's just another way to say it. Um, and he speaks about light being the messenger of life and we're all one living being. And in that awakening, he came out of the cave without judgment. People recognised he was beyond judgment and that he was a loving force that saw himself in everybody. And I think it sounded to me almost distressing to him that he realised that people didn't see him themselves in him, as in people didn't see the God that he had experienced himself as. They didn't realise they were also the God, but he could see that in them. Um, and I understood that is what he was speaking about, the smoky mirror, that we are these gods that don't realise that we are because of the veil that sits in between us and this awareness. And my understanding of that was the veil is like the way we've um, been taught all the descriptions of life and our culture and um, our understanding of everything's like that fog that separates us from knowing who we are um, at our deepest level of, of of life. So that's what I've gotten out of the book so far, which is... Well, you know, I watched you when you were sharing, okay? And, and we all do this. We all go there. You start talking about how in us we are the stars. We, we are that that we seek or we think is outside of us. That just doesn't that move you? I watched you because it's like, yes, we it don't you find it just so strange? We can relate to that, but we won't accept it about ourselves. We will get romantically in, in it when somebody else is saying it, you know what I'm saying? But do we really breathe that in and accept that we are the stars? That where where we our origins are. There is nothing but the beauty and the love and everything else we say we want to do here on this planet. Where do we where do we get lost? How do we begin to judge and separate ourselves? You know what I'm saying? I know that it's a life's work for every one of you that's on this call with me. 
And I realized that as I come to the winters of my time and seasons, I look back into all of this and it's like, there's just no intelligence and in suffering. There's absolutely no, no anything. I mean, it's just such a, a loss and such a strange confusion. And I agree with Don Miguel that, you know, we all have existed from birth to wherever we're at now, trying to work through confusion, not so much seeing it as our own as everything around us. You know what I mean? So I felt that that was very beautiful, how you your soft, your voice softened, your face softened, and you radiated. You were very happy to be the reflection of the stars. Love that. Okay. We're going to, I don't see, has Joyce joined us and she's just not on the screen? So um, you want to pick it up and share with us what you got out of this? Sure. I, I was so intrigued with his whole um, explanation about being part of the light and that we're not separate. So my curiosity led me to doing a whole lot of research on the history of this area. I have known people going to Mexico for eons as tourists. And there's been part in in the back of my mind of what draws them there. And I have never taken the time to understand what the base of amazing base of our, our existence is there in the history. So the Toltec were actually a society, a very influential society of scientists and artists. And that intrigued me. And they explored all kinds of spiritual knowledge and practices. And there was kind of an overflow of that focus into mastering all kinds of skills outside of what we might consider spirituality. But they had to kind of stay hidden uh, as far as their real strong sense of spirituality. It reminded me of Dr. Wolf's example of the gold and the alchemy, and the alchemists had to pretend that they were working with gold to to create gold out of metal, instead of understanding or sharing that they had the power to transform anything and everything. So I was pretty excited about that. I like the fact that the city, and I'm not, I I practiced, I listened to an audio of how to say the city, but Teok, means a a place where man becomes God. How would you like to live in a place where man becomes God? So my mind went to, well, why not right where I'm at? (laughs) And with everything we're studying everywhere else, that was definitely very much in my mind. So I want to hear more. I've already read a fair bit of this book. I can hardly put it down. Um, it's just, to me, it is so timely because we are so confused about what we see in the outer world. But all of what he is offering in this amazing book is all about what's inside me and what uh, that I actually have an influence from inside me. So by not buying into everything that's going on outside, I can move past that confusion. And I find that pretty much inspiring and possible and exciting. So here we are years later, watching the witness and power. And I saw a correlation between the how the Toltecs were eventually defeated 
and all the masteries that they had created were all destroyed except for what they've dug out. So I see that in how there has been a tendency to buy into the outer powers that we think are beyond us. So again, I just am excited that there's a correlation there, but it shows we can change this. They changed it before. We want to change it this time permanently, not to have to have the cycle keep on repeating and repeating. So that's pretty much the core of what I took from my hours this morning of doing some research on this area where man becomes God. It's cool. Uh, for those of you who are listening in, Joyce, uh, Steve and I actually are reading this book in a metaphysical store that has opened up here in Kingman, Arizona, and it's called The Electric Quail. And uh, we wanted the, she wanted to start a reading group and actually get people more into the books instead of the Internet. Okay. And her, this is the first the book that she chose to go with first. She felt this was like carving or anointing the very fact that we can sit together, discuss and read and enjoy. So we've we've kind of gone ahead in this book a little bit, okay? And like like uh, definitely Trina shared, I'm sure she's read it once, if not twice. I remember that Don was given the book out and I got an autographed book from him at the program. So it's just like, okay, when when we're moving, I, I want our listeners to realize that as a collective, we are as hosts, co-hosts, whatever you want to call us, okay, that what we bring to this time with you is so much. There's such a wealth that's here. So like when Joyce shares it, we we want we come to you at a, a, not a level to try to win you over. We're not trying to perform. We're not, we're not trying to take you someplace that's in the showmanship or what we would consider the illusion of entertainment. But we truly do want to entertain you with truth and the excitement of that we are so, so much more than what it is that we look in the mirror and see or what we might have the experience of in a challenging moment or something. And that we're all here for you. I know that I, before the program and every day when I do the four directions and the prayers and ceremonies that I do, I include all of you who come to the show, that everyone that will actually listen and come to our show be blessed. And I name the many blessings of the day. And I include in that the astrological influences and the Toltecs were very much connected to the heavens, the particular star maps that they have that I have seen that they take claim for are all ancient Mayan star maps. So you have a merging in a consciousness that's moving forward. And and all of that, you're a part of that. That's what I feel all of us are trying to share with you in this statement of oneness. We're not separate. If you suffer somewhere in that, I know that. So I take care of knowing that by making sure you, the listening audience of this show, actually gets the benefits of what I can do in ceremony. I asked most of the people I know and respect to join me as co-hosts in this show, because this is not something I can actually commit my time to on a very stringent schedule. And But I know it's important, and I know you listening, you are important. 
And I know that you're part of me, a part of me that doesn't have a face and a body, but a part of me that I can pick up because I know you're listening. And in the listening and those that you that actually come back and communicate with me, we're not in a distance to each other. We're all right here this hour in this time. And we want you to get this information and all that we're excited about in this. Stay with us. We really, really want you to understand. We accept that you're one with us. Okay. Now I'm going to move in and let Geraldine Dalby Ball share her particular reflection. And that's Geraldine in Sydney, Australia. How are you doing, Geraldine? Fantastic. The sun has risen and it is beautiful this morning. Good. And it was, uh, again, a beautiful morning to start as the sun was rising, reading again through the book and listening to it. I always buy the audio book of whatever book we're, we're on because I find I can just leave it on, leave it on, re-listen, and then throughout my day little sentences will come to me and there's definitely some jewels in this one to come. And before that too is understanding the some history and placement of the people. So, again, I looked up the Toltec civilization as well and I read the some of the things that have been shared this morning already about being warriors, about being amazing at making monuments and statues, about being warlike, about having um, sacrifices. And within all of that, I also thought about some research I'd done on what was portrayed about the Australian Aboriginal people when it just showed they said they did nothing because we can't really find any structures. And yet I know that there's, I really don't know a lot at all, but I know that there is a depth of wisdom and practices and everything that's there. And the same was done with the Celts. When I researched the Celts, from the information that you get from something like an internet, it tells you about a people from what they find, the physicality of it. And knowing again that the Celts had so much more, the connection to nature and everything else, while I read on the internet about the Toltec people, something inside me was saying, remember, there's so much more. And I think that so much more is what we don't get necessarily when we just read from historians' viewpoints. But like you said, from hearing through the lineage of a person. And in this case, the book is opening us to a channel that doesn't matter how much internet searching we would do, if we're reading from third party looking at leftover structures telling us about a people compared to what we'll work through with the four agreements where we are opening to a lineage of information. So it's been great reading the book and doing that research and seeing that even all the information that he's sharing with us about this being the smoky mirror is right there in the form of research right today. When I go to research, I'm just looking at smoke I'm looking at my interpretation that was somebody else's interpretation of something that they found and so then you get to the point of what is and then back to the book about the smoky mirrors where it started the what is 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 everything so it's like in Fred Allen Wolf where he said there's pulsing it's like I pulsed and I thought I had some information and I went oh relax I don't have information and I really feel that movement that we've done from matter into feeling into this book is giving us another viewpoint of the same questioning of ourself. And as we move through the, the chapter on the smoky, the smoky mirror as well, um, there's that information about 
as he said, people thought he was God because of his emanation, yet they didn't see God in themselves. And that was that was the key thing. So in this part, we're looking at he said that people were dreaming without awareness. If you dream without awareness, are you really here? Or are you the smoke? <laughs> and I like how he said that he realized, he realized that he was going to this person 3,000 years ago, who he's writing about in the book realized that he was going to forget what he had learned. He was going to forget about the smoky mirror. And that's why he called himself the smoky mirror, to remember that as he's looking at everything, he is looking at material matter as an illusion. So that's the reason of calling himself the smoky mirror. And I think that also goes back to like when someone's a child and it mentions children in here too, there's that clarity. And then, as he said, he called himself the smoky mirror to remind himself that when he forgets, it's a reminder to know that there is an illusion here. And that's that's, that's their beginning. That's very, very great. Uh, and 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 I want to say to you all, I I so am so happy and I this we have our time together and I'm able to join you. I'm so always impressed with how in our individuality comes out in as much as how each of you reflect from the same thing. We're looking at the same thing and we're seeing like looking at the elephant, we're seeing all the different parts of it. And you've covered what we are doing with this book very, very thoroughly. So we'll be actually heading into this book and starting right out with one of the basic things to where he actually explains his perspective of us and our role as a community and uh, how how we we all the different i think pit holes we fall in in as much as how you know the the challenge for each of us and i do mean the whole community our listeners all of us is our perspective of what is real for us and how we have to have the strength of that faith to actually hold ourselves in the balance of all that circles around us in that nothingness. Like you're saying, Geraldine, that nothingness is very, very full, okay? It's nothing until we look and see something in it. And so as we move forward with that, and and I feel that everything we bring, when we look for a book to actually discuss on the show, we do look for something that's personal to us, something that's kind of pertaining to what's going on or another little fold in time space it's kind of lit up for us so any any input you have please send us your statements i mean uh, all of the uh, there had to be like about nine of you and i want to say definitely to margaret uh, and i was only one margaret so i'm not going to confuse you as to what margaret margaret your summary of that book actually shows me your reading skills and i would hope with all my heart that you could, if you can take words and weave them such as you did in your perspective, I would love to see that. And I'm definitely open. I sent you information. You ask about a position as being co-host. Right now, we're not in the particular opening space with that, but we are looking at actually opening up another program. So I have responded to you, but with everything you showed and what I picked up off of what you did, you have something to say, and you have a purpose to say it. 
please pursue it, okay? And so to all of the many of you that do send response and talk, I take care of every one of them. Even when there's a big, long list of it, there are times in between when I'm doing prayers, I will take that list and come back and check every name. So you're not forgotten. And please join us on our Facebook so that you get to involve yourself more and in conversation with the co-host and what we're doing. Like I said, we're, we we actually live, at least I know how deep I do. There is a oneness. I see myself in everybody. I see myself in everything and every creation. And when you start allowing yourself to explore that, you really don't have time for all the weakness and the pettiness that can come from separation and negativity. So uh, co-hosts, if, are there any things, some like final thoughts you've had and what, what we're moving into? I have. I'd love to just uh, repeat the statement of not allowing any inspiration, any um, thought that one that comes through of understanding, capture it because that's where you can expand out in this book. There is just so many different directions you can move. So if you get an insight, catch it. <laughs> For sure. And definitely by the book. I don't know about what you all have done. Like I said, the book I have is actually, a, a, I asked Don to sign it. And he gave me some very beautiful words. But I've I've written on almost every page. So you kind of, you want to have your own book so that you can really personalize it and, and take it. I've, when, especially when we go into the very first chapter where he actually takes us into looking at, at ourselves as to what, why we are a community or why we have come in. He calls it the domestication of humanity. I, I tell you, I get off on that. So I've actually wrote all around the edges and had to add some pages. So definitely we're looking for that to come up, but it, it, so it applies so well to this time though. Trina, like Trina said, he wrote this book way back in the 1990s something. It's as true and on the spot today as it could possibly be if it just come off the press. Okay. So anybody else, we got a couple of minutes here, got some thoughts that you would like to share. I do. Um, I just want people to think about this as being able to bring in really deep knowledge, really life-changing knowledge in such a practical way. And that's one of the reasons why um, I've handed out so many copies of this book, because it gives you a chance to reflect in something that's simple and something that's easy to read. And, um, he just has a, such a loving, um, unique way of bringing through um, material, you know, ancient wisdom in a way that can be so applied today and make changes in your life right now. So I'd encourage everybody to grab a copy and listen in and read it. True, 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 true. Okay. What about you, Marianne? Anything you want to throw back out here? Yeah, I really like that um, the Toltecs acknowledge all the spiritual masters on the planet and that it's about the teachings, like the essence of the teachings and that he was describing it's not so much a religion but it's a way of life, like a way of finding happiness and a way of finding love. And so for me that brings a lot of joy because I feel like it's open to everybody as human. Yes, and and what he actually says, and he he's very strong on this, he says this throughout I've not read any any of the other books, okay, other than I've heard about them or 
like uh, Geraldine, I've actually gotten a couple of audio books that I'll play when I'm driving or traveling. But his point is, and it makes a very strong point of it, that this is not what he would consider spirituality. He says, this is who we are and that this is what we are. Okay. So that we, it's, it's sort of like I've watched in all of the 60 years of teaching and being with students and people seeking and stuff, how they, they seek something that they put outside themselves. And then that's what they do when they have time to do it or when they feel the need of it. And it's not successful. It's successful when you become that. It's successful when that's what you are. And it isn't that you take time out to do it. It is what is all time for you. And like I said, when you start allowing yourself to go outside on a star night, starry night, especially new moon, when the moon is not actually taking the glare off of some of the stars, and you look at how many billions of stars that are out there, just like diamonds hanging on black velvet. And you breathe that in or even begin to entertain, that's me. You know, I see it only and can only see it because it's me. And when we begin to actually grasp that and hold on to that and become this, right now we give it terms, we give it diagnoses, we define it, and we're we're coming from metaphysics and terms and alchemy and terms and all, we're looking for that intimate something that tells us it's closer yet. And that simply is the self being, being of it. And uh, like I said, when I watched you read or recite a little bit of what you shared there, the minute any of us go to that, we go somewhere. We actually expand into it more. And so when there's a beautiful full moon and you don't just glance at it, but take time with it, the distance between what it is and the wisdom it gives becomes you. When you're at an ocean and you watch the waves, the massiveness of the ocean becomes you. Can you play that game? Can you sit down and become that innocence again and allow that to be you exploring you again, again, and again? that every grain of sand on that beach is a world. And that when we begin to accept that, the very, very field of the quantum becomes massive to us. And that's where we're going. That's the path we're cutting. And that's exactly where we're arriving. And uh, as the ancient cultures all emerged and evolved forward doing whatever the particular was through that, we have come today to where we're the summation of that. When do we grow up and accept that? When, when do we get strong enough and bold enough to stand in that? We are the accumulation of all that. Where you stand, where I stand, where you're listening from or where we're talking from. You are the summation of all before you. All before you. Even before time. How do you how do you address that in yourself? How do you adorn that in yourself? How how do you possibly ever ignore it? All those things and everything that is sits before you and within you, and you ignore it. You have to awaken to this. And the only way that happens is you give time. 
I like it when I'm teaching wealth and business and success. When I tell people the only through only true thing that's ever spent and expires is time. So how you do your time is your wealth. What you have in time is your wealth. Because see, money comes and goes. Time doesn't. So you really want to take time. And like I said, we're sharing with this book now. And when we get deeper into some of what Don Miguel is sharing here, I want you to take it serious. Our world is changing. Our young people need something to grasp. You, each one of you listening, are that. And then some. You are that that makes a difference. So begin to think of yourself and entertain yourself with just letting yourself go and letting that happen. Okay. So we still have a couple of minutes. So we did, Geraldine, do you still want to add something? Certainly. And it's a section from uh, looking up about the people. And it also said that the Toltec were scientists and artists who had come together to uh, keep that knowledge and to be able to conserve the teachings and practices of the ancient ones. And as Marianne said, it doesn't particularly say this ancient one or that ancient one. It just says the ancient ones. And to reflect that today that we have um, finally a breaking down of these barriers in the Western teaching from science and art. And so many communities are doing science art combination projects. So I think, again, it's the circle coming around. I agree. I totally agree. Absolutely. Okay. And uh, so why don't we each kind of give your little summary of what you have here and what your thoughts are on Don Miguel. Let's start with you, Joyce. Yes, for sure. Well, my summary would be that there is nothing that I have ever asked is not in this book. It, I, I'm gobbling it up and finding this applies to me, this applies to me, this applies to me. So get the book. I, I plan on sending it to my sons who are not open-minded people at all, but I believe they will listen and pass it to their teenage children. So it is super. Yes, it is. <laughs> All right, Marianne. I'm actually sitting with the profound teaching on the smoky mirror right now. And so I can just feel like it's sort of seeping into me deeply, like, and I feel like, yes, it sounds simple, these teachings, but they're actually deeply profound and could take many, many lifetimes of meditation. Okay. All right, Trina. The one thing I really love is that when he sums up at the end of the book, I'm going to jump a little bit, but it talks about heaven on earth and he talks about prayers. And, you know, of course, prayers can be anything that comes from the heart that you want to communicate to to the divine, to someone else, whatever it is. But I love that he sums up everything in that because then it comes from the love. It comes from the heart. And we really do create our own heaven on earth. So, yeah, this is this one's a treasure. Yep, 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 yep. Okay, Geraldine. The last line in the Smoky Mirrors chapter, living is easy with eyes closed. He's taken a line from John Lennon's Strawberry Fields. I think this reminds us that we can go through our day Bumble, 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 get busy. Living's easy, but our eyes are closed. Do we really want our eyes closed or is it time to open our eyes, even if it's uncomfortable at times? 
I agree. And it can be uncomfortable. Okay. All right. We are definitely moving forward. We love you all. We send you our best and know that you are thought of and you are actually valued every day. Okay. And we will see you next week. Okay. You have a wonderful, wonderful week and may all good things bless you. OCO. Thank you for listening to Quantum Leap Book Club. For more information where you can contact us, go to LOARadioNetwork.com forward slash quantum hyphen leap. Have a great week.